ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಪುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವತೀತಮಸ್ತಮಾವಿಶಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಎನಿ ಕ್ವಶನ್ಸ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಎನಿಮನ್ ಪ್ರೀವಿಯಸ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ಫಾಲ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಹ್ಯೂಮನ್ ಇಂಟಲೆಕ್ಟ್ ಕೆನ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಒನ್ ಹೇ ಮಿ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಫ್ರೀಮ್ಸ್ ಅಬೇ ಡಿಫ್ರೆಂಟ್ ಕೆನ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಒನ್ ಹೇ ಮಿ ಸೊ quick recap um but even we read that up to chapter 3 yeah so then it's quite straightforward so human made up of and the self so we're not content why we're we not content the world is a beautiful place why we're we not content why we're we not happy you might say i'm happy but it's temporary we all know it's temporary why aren't we happy all the time unfilled desires absolutely right because of unfilled desires we're always agitated we're going to study desires in more detail today we conduct our lives based on our desires and attachment and selfishness lust greed rather than the intellect's reason and judgment hence we go through cycles of happiness and unhappiness actually it's all due to a lack of understanding what we're doing in class is gaining that understanding or trying to gain a little bit of that understanding so you know we can level out our ups and downs in life with knowledge <coughs> Is there anyone here who can say I'm always happy I'm truly happy nothing phases me Anyone either It's not possible It's not possible Would you clarify agitation you say there's unhappiness Agitations cause unhappiness Because you can just be a little bit annoyed There's a difference isn't there with annoyance agitation and happiness it's all synonyms when you're not if you're if if the if for example you feel agitated in any way it's due to some issues which could be unfulfilled desires as opa said um somebody not doing something that you want them to do because your desire is for for it to be in a certain way uh, any agitations of the mind will cause you unhappiness. Envy as well, isn't it? Envy? Yeah, we're going to cover that today. There's a uh a frame isn't there of being relatively happy going through life and then being ecstatically happy. Where so there is like you can't to say just happiness as a general term is challenging isn't it because 
you can be one of these people who actually doesn't become happy with most things or just accepts it and that's it. Or you could be really one of these emotional people who gets happy when not just a desire is fulfilled, but little things make you happy, the sunshine. Um, and then there's that unhappiness correlation as well, isn't it? You can be a little bit annoyed. You can be really annoyed. What, when the sun doesn't shine? I know what you're saying. It's all relative. Everyone's different. The sun shines, you're happy. (coughs) Someone in uh, the Far East sunshines every day for nine months does make them happy. So it's relative to the person. What, you know, happiness. Somebody could be living in a shack with one pair of clothes and be completely content and happy. Yeah. Somebody can live in a mansion with millions in their account, and still be unhappy. It's, it's relative. So what is contentment then? Okay, let me define what um, happiness is. It's not in the... Thing. So let me have a little thing. Okay. You have a certain amount of desires. Okay, we agree. When you fulfill that desire, you're happy. When the desire is not fulfilled, you're unhappy. So why is the person in a shack with nothing happy? The formula is... If your desires are greater than the amount of wealth you have, then you're unhappy. If your desires are contained within the wealth you have, then you are happy. So you could be a a multimillionaire, but have greater desires than the wealth you have. You're miserable. You could have nothing, but want nothing. You're happy and content. So, if your desires are less than what you have, then you're happy. Darshna? Make sense? So that's, so that's why it's relative. That's why it's different for different people. Because everyone's desires are different. You know, um, uh, someone could have 100 million and is miserable because his friend's got 200 million. Why have I got less than him? He's living in a, he's got a 100 foot yacht, I've only got a 20 foot yacht. He's miserable every time he sees his friend's yacht. So it's relative, that's what we're saying, based on your desires. Is that clear? Regardless, it's causing you unhappiness. Because every time you see that yacht, you're agitated, thinking, why have I got a smaller yacht than him? It's envy, but a desire to get a yacht just as big as it. Well, hold that thought, because we're going to talk about desires in more detail today, and envy will come into it. It's what we call a modification of a desire. This is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, right now we only have looked at desires in one way. We're going to look at it in, a different, uh, in different ways today. 
because it's not that simple. So what, what controls the mind from what we've discussed? Intellect. So the reason we're unhappy and not content is because of our undeveloped intellects. And we're not able to look, govern our minds. The mind can go anywhere. I want this, I want that. So we need to do, develop the intellect to be able to control the mind. When you, when you do that, you will find more happiness. Lack of understanding, but we're learning that here. And as you gain a little bit of this knowledge, for example, today we've talked about desires, what's happiness, what isn't. When you absorb that, you'll have a better idea. Why am I unhappy? Why am I miserable? Okay, it's because of this. You can deal with it. So we're not living where humans are made to be happy all the time. And we're not living the life of a human being. Remember we said we discussed plants, animals. Uh, if we're not living happy, all, if we're not content and happy all the time, then we're living the life similar to an animal. So we're learning how we function. So we have a better understanding. So chapter four we're going to do today, the mind wreaks havoc. So we're looking at the mind and in detail how it functions. Yeah. Like I said, we're gonna, I'm just going to give you a synopsis, but you know, it's good to follow. So, a human has many qualities, but one quality that puts them above every other creature is the fact that we can think, the ability to think. No other creatures has that, not to the level we have. But we have to develop that ability. This is what we're doing. We're learning how to develop the intellect, which is the ability to think. Once we develop the skill, we can take control of our minds and our lives. Does everyone agree with that? Okay. <coughs> so this whole book deals with just recognizing the fact that there is an intellect. There is this ability to think. Until we're told, we're, we don't know. So we're saying there is this ability to think, this faculty within you, so develop it. And this whole book talks about that. Now don't confuse intellect with intelligence. What's the difference between the two? Intellect and intelligence. 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 Yeah. Intelligence. Intelligence is knowledge of a particular area. Secretary, you know about secretarial. You know about accounts. You read accounts. You know about accounts. But doesn't mean you know how to fix a car. Your area of knowledge is in that environment what you have studied. Intellect is being able to reason and think and take control of your life. That's the faculty we're, we're talking about. Just because a person is intelligent doesn't mean he's in control of his life. It's the, merely the storage of knowledge gained from external sources which we then trade for money. That's what we're doing. Knowledge of dentistry, you trade that, you receive money, 
you give that to a lawyer, he deals with law for you. Yeah? There's a whole chapter on this later on. So, the mind is constantly playing tricks with us. If you have any agitations in life, don't look out to the world. Only look within. The world is what it is. It's you that you need to change. Any person who has control over his own mind, besides being successful in life, is cheerful, happy and friendly. Nothing phases him. For this, the intellect has to constantly control the mind. This chapter discusses in more detail the qualities of the mind. So, actions are propelled by what? Likes and dislikes. Mind and intellect. Likes and, you're absolutely right, likes and dislikes. But, but actions are propelled by either the mind or the intellect. If your, if your actions are propelled only by likes and dislikes, then we need to work on that. It's the next, next, the next topic, actually. So actions are propelled by either the mind or the intellect. The mind is like a child, the intellect the adult. If the intellect is not developed and used to guide and control the mind, the consequences are such that it can lead to sorrow and pain and even destruction. The problem is that we are okay with this. Why? Why are we okay with this? Absolutely. We think it's normal. Mm. We're okay with sorrow and pain because we think it's normal. We don't know any different because we don't know what perfection is. We've never been there. <coughs> it's like a person driving every day after drinking. Just because he doesn't have an accident, he thinks it's okay, it's normal. But one day they may, there will be an accident. Similarly, we think it's okay to live life like this because we haven't experienced the perfect way of living. So we accept it and think nothing is wrong. We get used to the waves of misery and happiness. From fulfilled and unfulfilled desires, we think it's normal. But we're made of more higher stuff than that. So if there's no thinking behind an action, then the action is propelled by the mind. We now look at in more detail some of the qualities of the mind. Anita, you said likes and dislikes. What is likes and dislikes? That's the question now. Can you tell me what likes and dislikes are? It's kind of simple. You like something or you don't like something. So you act? So you act accordingly. If you like something, you're happy. If you don't like something, you're unhappy. Okay, perfect. Anybody else? Likes and dislikes. So you're attracted to what you like. Okay. Any other definitions? Likes and dislikes? So we act on likes and dislikes. As we contact the world, we pick up likes and dislikes throughout our lives since when we're babies. We're not aware of it. Neither are we aware of the negative effect they can have on our lives. Even when you're a child, I want to eat this, I don't want to eat that. Yeah. Immediately, even, so, what age do they develop likes and dislikes? Because you're in that uh, area. 
From six months. From six months. Six months. From when we're six months throughout our lives, we're generating likes and dislikes and we're acting on that. The mind is made up of one's likes and dislikes. A person acts on what he likes and avoids what he dislikes. So therefore, without the guidance of the intellect, one lives their lives based on their likes and dislikes. But the law of life is such that whatever one likes ends up being detrimental. Let me just whatever one dislikes ends up being beneficial to one in the long run. Happiness is disguised as unhappiness and unhappiness as happiness in the beginning. Hence, a person acting on his likes and dislikes ends up losing the joy of life. Can you not mold likes and dislikes to an extent, then, in that case? Like, for example, parents would feed a child a certain thing that they probably don't like. Yep. But if you keep giving it to them from a young age, then they'll end up liking it eventually, maybe, possibly. So, can that not, like... You can't train someone to like something. You can train them to say this is the benefit of it. So that's why you should have it. But that's the intellect mm -hmm. telling the person this is good for you. If you eat this carrots, then you'll be able to see better. They see a benefit then. Even if they don't like it, they'll eat it because of, it's a benefit to them. That doesn't mean they like it. Only through knowledge you'll understand, okay, I need to, for example, the example of one of the weaknesses, exercise. You don't like exercise, you like to laze. People like to laze, yeah? One dislikes healthy food, loves junk food, which is great, but in the long term, you'll see the effects of it. You're lazing, not exercising, then you, you'll have health issues later. If you're regularly exercising, even though it's not like you don't like doing it don't like going in the gym in the winter morning you know going on the treadmill but you know that this is good for me in the long run so whatever what it's saying is that what you like generally tends to work out a negative in the long run because the mind is going is doing it what you dislike initially ends up being good for you it's just like a law if, it wasn't, if the law wasn't there, it'd be fine. We can just do what we like and not you know, discard what we don't like. No, no issues. But this is, how, this is how it is. You know you were saying about when you can train somebody. I think the challenging aspect is if we're thinking about, for example, giving babies the food, the mum doesn't like to see their child upset she's attached to the child and if the child refuses to eat what's good for them but doesn't taste good then the mum will always want to give the child what makes it happy mm -hmm. and therefore that seed is sown in to think I don't like these so I will avoid it because mum avoids it so where do you get the ability to think well Okay, let's see if I do like it eventually on a certain number of tastes that I'm But the mum likes to see their child happy. And then therefore that cycle carries on, doesn't it? From 
you like a certain toy, the joy that a parent gets from giving that toy to that child and to see that child so happy is what a parent wants, but we don't understand the detriment side of things. And I think that carries on then, mm. you know, through, through, especially as a parent, you want to always see your child happy regardless of whatever age they are. If Andy's mum was here right now, she'd say, yeah, of course I want to see my son happy, he's 50-something. Do you, do you, and she will do anything to fulfil his desire, regardless of whether she thinks it's healthy for him or not, or for him or not. We don't, we don't take into that account. That's any relationship. Does that, that does not mean that it's bad, bad parenting? <laughs> no, it's, it's a routine. Of who, who would like to see their child upset? We are so attached that we get upset. The child's upset anyway, because it's not given what it likes. Then we get upset because we want to see our child happy. So we're not fulfilling our life. That cycle just goes on. Another problem with likes and dislikes is the world is ever-changing. Therefore, cannot cater to your likes and dislikes. Because your likes and dislikes are constant. You're adding more. But the world is always changing. So you said you like it when the, when the sun comes out, summer. If you like the sun coming out so much, you start disliking the other seasons. So you're, un you're miserable for nine months of the year. Without understanding that this is how the seasons function. The problem is, we not only live by our likes and dislikes, but we generate more on the way, which ends up in frustration. There's nothing wrong with likes and dislikes, if it is controlled and guided by the intellect. The problem is, when you act purely on likes and dislikes, that's where the problem is. Once you train yourself not to act on likes and dislikes, you will come to enjoy everything you do in life. So you decide what's right for me, my physical body, my mental health, my intellect capacity, and then conduct your life. You want to be fit, then you can't have junk food. You understand that. That is your goal, which is higher than having junk food. So if you train yourself and you learn to do that, you'll be more happy. The problem is we, as humans, we like to grab instant pleasures. It's a weakness due to ignorance. There's a child, yeah? I'll demonstrate that. There's, there's, a, there's a child. You, you hold a lollipop in one hand, a ten-pound note in the other hand. What is the child going to go for? Lollipop. Why? Why? He doesn't know that ten pounds will buy him a hundred lollipops. <coughs> ignorance. The child is looking for instant pleasures, and that's what we're all doing looking for instant pleasures. We don't realize it, that in living in a certain way will bring us happiness in the long term throughout our lives without going ups and downs. Next quality of the mind. Worry and anxiety. So we're just discussing different qualities of the mind. Another quality of the mind is worry and anxiety. We are constantly worried about what happened in the past, and anxious about what is going to happen in the future. Just take a minute to observe one morning the mind, how it functions. Just sit in a quiet place. You can't keep it in the present. 
thinking what you did yesterday, the day before, the month before, the year before, when you're a child, always thinking what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. It's hard to keep in the present. This is another quality of the mind, worry and anxiety. If only I didn't say what I said to my friend. Why did I argue with my partner? I should have listened to my parents. They were right. Then the mind goes to the future. Will I get that job? Will I get a promotion? When will my daughter get married? She has been married for five years. When will they have a child? All these are constant thing, thoughts we've got going, going in our mind. Who will look after me when I'm old? Brexit, what will happen to this country? You fill in your own worries and anxieties. This is another quality of mind. We're just observing. You know, we're not saying right and wrong. We're just saying this is how our mind functions. So what happens is all this toing and throwing, where the mind goes to the past and future, it causes agitations in the mind. And what happens, this agitation saps your energy. And when it saps your energy, it causes tiredness and mental fatigue. Shilpa. That's why we need weekends and holidays. Even with the breaks, we get bored and tired. Okay, you came back from holiday and you said you were tired. <laughs> because it was an active holiday. I just like to sit by the beach. The body actually never gets tired. It's the mind that gets tired. Because of the agitations, that's what happens. You won't believe it, but the body can act. The mind gets tired. Can't be bothered anymore. You can go in the gym and spend an hour working out, and the body's not tired. You don't do that in the whole day. That much physical activity, but it's not tired. And then you go to work. We could be home on a Saturday and think, you know what, I can't be bothered. Because <laughs> it's the mind goes up and down, it saps your energy. This is what they're saying. Causes tiredness and mental fatigue. The thing is, what has happened in the past we can't change. We all agree, yeah? We all know that. So why worry about it? What is going to happen in the future, we don't know. The only thing we know is today. The present. So let's live in the present. Put in the right effort. We can make the future to a certain degree however we want it. There's always the unknown, of course, but we have no control over that. So we need to, only the intellect can keep the mind in the present. Okay, I'm going to study this morning. Mind's going, what did I do last night? What's going to happen tomorrow? No. Right now I'm focusing on this. Don't want to know about all that. Let me just study. So that is the intellect saying, mind, let's do this for now. <coughs> and that's what happens. I can tell you from experience. Even when sitting down to study in the morning, if you've had an active day the day before, it's hard to keep the mind in the present. Very hard. It takes time and effort and, and, and awareness that my mind is doing this. Only then you can do it. But if you've got some important work to do right now, you don't want your mind distracted with other things uh, because it takes you 
twice as long to finish your work. So it's, it's, it's better for you to keep it in the present on the action right now. The result of your action will be far better if you can do that. You might disagree with what I've just said. I'll give you an example. Children. They don't have any worries and anxieties of the past or the future. Because they haven't developed strong likes and dislikes and an ego, they're still governed by the parent. That's why they have a lot of energy. They hardly get tired. Jumping up and down. They're always active. And who's stronger, you or the child, energy-wise? As an adult, you have a lot more strength than a child. A child is puny. Yeah? But still it has more energy than you. You can't control it. Because no, like, no worries of the past or the future. They're in the present. I want to play, jumping up and down, let's play. It's the parent who is stronger saying, you know what, I'm tired. I can't play anymore. Mind is on the present. It doesn't dissipate energy. So what can keep the mind in the present? Developing intellect. We can overcome the mind's tendencies of worry and anxiety. Keep it in the present. Conserve our mental energy and become energetic and happy again. Any questions on worries and anxiety? You have to think about this, you know, sit down, observe your own mind, you know, be aware of it. Now, these are all new, uh, this, the, we've not thought about these things before. You, we don't look inside, we don't have the ability to think, why, how is my mind working today? Let me see, let me observe. We don't have that faculty to do that. So this is to give you some ideas of how you function. So you can sit and think about it. Desires. Next topic. Another quality of the mind. What is a desire? We've already described that. What is a desire? Vasna. Vasnas manifest as desires. The root is Vasnas. Absolutely right. What is vas desires? A wish. A wish. Hmm? A desire can be fulfilled or unfulfilled. Something the mind wants. Something the mind wants. But even vasanas becomes thoughts. Then you put more emphasis on that thought, it becomes a desire. And then you put more emphasis on that desire, it becomes an action. So a desire emanates from vasanas. Vasna, thoughts, desires, actions. That's how it functions. It's described as a stream of thoughts flowing from you towards the object of desire. Desires causes agitations, suffering and sorrow. Why is it that desires cause sorrow? We already covered this. Why is it that desires cause sorrow? Not fulfilled. Until a, a desire is fulfilled, your mind is agitated. If a desire stays unfulfilled, it causes sorrow. 
upset. No, I wasn't man. I didn't. I didn't win the lottery this week. I feel upset for a bit. If you had a strong desire, that is to win the lottery. So, how does that work? Anita, what's your favorite chocolate? Ferrero Rocher. You, Ferrero Rocher. A thought comes in your mind. I fancy a Ferrero Rocher. Just a small thought. Just a thought just came up. I like a Ferrero Rocher. Then you see a box in the corner. Thought increases. Then you start, you start, the saliva starts going, you think, I wonder what a furrow should taste like right now in my mouth. <laughs> and then Sunil comes in and says, Anita, shall we have a furrow rush? <laughs> there you go. That's it. The desires become stronger and stronger. And after you eat the furrow rush, the desire is now gone. So have you seen what's happened? The thought has popped up. Now you can eliminate it straight away and say, you know what, I had two this morning, no more. That's the intellect saying, no more. I'll wait till tomorrow. Or if the intellect is not there, the mind says, I only had two this morning. <laughs> I'm entitled to a third one. <laughs> the, thought the thought increases. Do you see how it functions? So you're fueling the mind with that thought and you're giving it more emphasis. The mind says, it's okay because the intellect's not there. Yeah, this is how it functions. So as soon as a thought comes, the intellect has to kick in and say, no, then it is eliminated. And if the intellect is powerful enough, it completely eliminates. If it's not powerful enough, half an hour later, you see the box again, the thought comes back again. And it must, this time it might even be stronger. So as the thought flow increases towards it, the desire becomes stronger. So therefore, it's in your control to eliminate that thought when it pops up. You know, you, you pass a car showroom, you've dreamt of a Aston Martin, yeah? You can either stand in the window and just sell it and say, oh, I'd like one, I'd like one. The thought increases. The salesman calls you in, talks you in. If you have the ability to buy it, you might end up buying it. And you, weren't, you didn't even had the thought of buying one that day. And that's what salespeople do. They know how you function. But if you saw it in the window and you thought, nice car, carried on, the thought won't come back in the mind again. So this is how it works. You try it next time, something that you really like. When the thought comes up, the, you can experiment. The more thought you put towards it, the desire becomes stronger, stronger, stronger. Well, until you can't, Control it now, it's agitating you. I've got to have one, or I've got to do it, or whatever. But if you, if you intellect says, no, it doesn't feel fit into my, I'm trying to be fit. Chocolates won't you know, help me to reach my goal. It eliminates it. That's how the intellect functions. Sorry, can you repeat that? 
eliminate desire, um, you've got to be aware and make your intellect stronger. You see, there's nothing wrong with fulfilling a desire. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with fulfilling a desire. But if that desire comes in the way of a higher goal, then it's a problem. Because the intellect has said, you know what, I need to lose five kilos in a month. Now, anything that helps you to do that is helping you fulfill that greater desire. But anything that comes in the way that goes against that, then it's going to be an obstruction, isn't it? So you have decided what your goal is. Otherwise, there's nothing wrong with uh, desires. You know, if we didn't have desires, we wouldn't be born. Which is based on your own. You know, what's right for you could be wrong for Shilpa. It's different for different people. desire for crisps and chocolates, you do not go that down that aisle in the supermarket and avoid it altogether. That's your intellect telling you that's what you need to do. But, where does Vasna come into that? The Vasnas will manifest. You, you view, if you go past the crisp aisle, okay, even, not through it, across it, you see the sign crisps and chocolates, the Vasna will say, will manifest and the thought will arise, you know what, let's see what's on offer. <laughs> if the intellect is strong enough, it'll say, no, because I'm very weak in that aisle. <laughs> Let me go to the next aisle. <laughs> you see, so it depends on how strong that thought is, how strong that desire is, and how strong the intellect is. But that's a, that's a, uh, desire that you know is weak in your aspect, and you, yep. you're trying to—it's a strong desire. It. It's a strong desire. Yep. But I'm talking about desires you don't even know you have, such as you don't know what. Yeah, but you don't know what you have until you're in an environment where they manifest. See, you've had strong likes and dislikes. So a like for chocolates and crisps is quite strong. You know that. So it's harder for you to eliminate. But for a vasna, for you know, something that you've never had before, as Meghna said, it'll be quite weak. So you may explore that. Oh, never thought of that. Interesting. I'll do some more research on that. I'll read about it. What is it about? You see a travel program. You see, I don't know, somewhere you've never been to. Oh, that looks really good. Never thought of going there before. The vastness come up. Maybe I should explore that place. 
but it's not strong enough where there are other desires where you've not visited which are stronger. Oh, I haven't visited, you know, which you've been thinking more, giving it more thoughts. They'll be stronger, but that'll be in the back, back burner somewhere. Next time you see another travel program where you, see, you meet someone saying, I went to that place and it was really good, that desire is becoming stronger now. So that's how it works. So as Magna said, that vasana is there. You didn't know it was there, but when it manifests, it's not as strong. So you see, uh, for a Roche, I'd like a piece. So I'm just reading what I've written. Thought becomes stronger towards the chocolate. Then the stream of thoughts get even stronger. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Now you have lost control and the mind is agitated. Now you have to have a piece. Once you have a piece of chocolate, the agitation stops. The desire is fulfilled. You feel content and happy. What happens is that as the desire gets stronger, the intellect loses power over being able to control the desire. When the first, first thought of chocolate came, the desire was weaker. The intellect could have stepped in and say, no chocolate, you're on a diet. Typical uh, example of this is cigarettes. Person who smokes, they can't control that urge. That desire becomes so strong. If they smoke every two hours, and once they've lit the cigarette, smoked it, the desire is gone. Until, another few hours later, manifests again. See, the thing is, if we fulfill the desire and that was it, there would be no problem. But the issue here is the mind is insatiable. No matter how much you feed it, it wants more. You compare it to a log fire. No matter how many logs you put in the fire, it will burn it and ask for more. That's how our mind is. It's like a fire. However many desires you fulfill, there'll be more. It will generate new desires to no end. Hence the stress and agitations one suffers to not being able to fulfill their desires. Yeah, there is no such thing as willpower. If you, unless you have, you can easily say, you know what, uh, January the 1st, I'm not going to do this. But on what basis are you saying that you can control that? It's just a, the thought that arose, you know what, um, this is bad, what I'm doing is bad. I need to now get into the gym and exercise every day or every three times a week or whatever. After a couple of weeks, it disappears. Why? Because the mind is very powerful. You've not actually found a way of eliminating that. You've just come up with a thought. The mind's come up with a thought. You know what? This is bad. Even the mind itself is saying, you know what? What I'm doing is bad. I've got to do something. <laughs> but only the intellect can do that. Now, desires can go through several changes and modifications, transformations. The example of a chocolate is a simple desire. Let's say you have a desire for a new car. You're saving up for it. Then you finally buy it. The desire is fulfilled. 
Now this fulfilled desire can generate further feelings and can change too. Arrogance. Fear. Fearful of losing that object or damaging it or scratching it. Greed. Attachment. These are all modifications of desires once it's fulfilled. You get into delusion, which leads to arrogance over people below you, envy towards people above you. I've got a new car. This guy's still driving an old banger. Look at my car. Have you seen my car? Arrogance. It's, this is the qualities of the mind. We all have it in certain degrees because we've all got a mind. But this is a modification of a desire. What happens once you fulfill that desire? If your desire is interrupted or intercepted by another object or being and unfulfilled, you develop anger. You have a strong desire to achieve something. Someone comes in the way. What happens? Deepa? <laughs> anger. So an anger, so what is anger, what is anger then? Frustration. frustration. Leads to frustration. Because your desire is not fulfilled. Someone else is coming away in fulfilling your desire. Leads to anger towards that person. Which can lead to frustration. So how do you control your anger? Breathe. By controlling the desire that's creating the anger. Now that's not easy to do, but even having the awareness, okay, I want to do this. Anything can happen. I want to meditate for half an hour. My child can come down and agitate me. My husband can come down and say, where's my cup of tea? Any of these things can happen. You have to be aware that these things will happen. Another alternative is to plan. Okay, I'm going to be meditating between this time. I do not want any disturbance, guys. It's my time. Please leave me alone. You're prepared for it. So that you're eliminating the chance of the anger happening. That's the intellect doing that. Anything can happen. Being prepared for anything. Then you're less chance of you being angry. So you can either be prepared for anything or make sure that nothing happens to come in the way. So you control your anger that way. Or eliminate the desire altogether. So all these are uncontrolled emotions. And it makes you lose control of your personality. When you're angry, Dipa, okay, I'm just using, I'm not saying you're an angry person, yeah? You lose control of your personality, don't you? You don't know what you're saying. Sometimes you say things that you don't mean. Yeah, why does that happen? You've lost control of your personality. Then you regret it later when your sanity comes back in. I wish I hadn't said that. He's upset now. I've upset my daughter. I didn't mean to. I just got angry. Meaning you lost control of your personality. The mind took over and said whatever it wanted to say. There's no control over it. It's like a child saying whatever it feels like saying. You know it's a child. 
That's why you, you let it go. Same thing. You lose control of your personality. You know, I mean, you know, we're, we're just talking in the class of being angry and upsetting someone. You think about it in history. People have killed because of anger. Lost control of their personality. What's that term in law? In diminished responsibility or something. It means they've lost control of their personality. They got angry, they couldn't control their anger. In that fit of madness, they stabbed two people. So that's the extreme where, where it can lead to. So it's important to control it. We're just discussing what the mind is. So you become burdened and enslaved by the many desires. So the solution is to develop your intellect, control and guide your desires and their modifications. If you don't, then it could cause you grief and misery or can even become fatal. Our whole life, all we're doing is fulfilling desires and generating new ones. That's all we're doing in our life. If you examine life, this is what we're doing. And when you die, you're born again, doing the same thing all over again. So, there's nothing wrong with desires. We need to develop, control, and regulate desires. That's all it's saying. Take control of your personality. What is the goal in life, as far as desires are concerned? Get rid of them. Extinguish them all. To extinguish them, first we have to take control of them, isn't it? Only then we can eliminate them, which is what we're learning to do. Why do we have to eliminate all desires? Not to be reborn. Because it is desires that separate us from our true personality. It is desires that come between a human and God. We are the God principle. But it's because of desires we have separated from that. In fact, we've forgotten all about it. Hence, desires are regarded as the devil in most religions. Christianity, Satan. That's desires. Islam, shaitan. Buddhism, Mara. Hinduism, Asura. These are all different names for the devil. But what they actually mean is desires. Because it's, the, it's desires that keep you away from your godhood. The more you encourage desires, the further it takes you away from God. So in the Gita, what's given to us to help us reduce our desires? Three yogas. Three yogas. Which are? Karma. Sorry? Karma. Kiana. So those, are, those three yogas, paths, are given to us in the Gita, in the scriptures. So if you follow that, it helps you eliminate and reduce your desires. That's what they're there for. Devotion for the mind. 
action for the body, knowledge for the intellect. And with those three in proportion, you helps you eliminate your desires. Helps you reduce and offload your worldly desires by replacing it with a higher desire of self-realization. Through service, knowledge and devotion, you eliminate your worldly desires. You have to cross the obstacle of desires to reach God. So we understand we have desires. Yeah, no, this is why I'm born. I've got desires. Okay, let's see how I can help myself to reduce them because I've just learned that they cause me agitation. So why do I want to be agitated? Let's have that thought in your mind. You know, let me see what I can do. Let me try. Scriptures are saying that I need to reduce them. Let me try not, at least let me try not to increase them. That's a start, isn't it? Let me see if I can find a way of not to increase them. Let me be content with what I have, who I am, what I am, and then work on reducing them. So initially you have to accept that first before you can work on reducing them. Any questions on desires? We're just going through the different aspects. Does that quite understand desires? Because it's quite important that you understand that because as we go along, you know, deeper into this subject, you need to have this basic foundation of why we need to learn this. So the next topic is... So, yep. So would you say that a pastor needs to do all three or... I, my understanding is the three yogas are because we all are different. So each path leads to the same avenue. Three yogas, body, mind, intellect. For, for, for the three components that everyone is made up of. Everyone's made up of body, mind, intellect, and vastness. So the three yogas are given for those three components. Now everyone's thoughts are different. Some people are more physical. Some people are more emotional. Some people are more intellectual. So the three yogas are given in proportion. You, take on, you, you perform the three yogas proportionately based on your, you know, your personality. If you're more physical, then you do more karma. You'll be inclined to do more karma, more selfless service. If you're more emotional, then you'll want to do more bhajans, more devotion, prayer, etc. If you're more of an intellectual, then you'll, the proportion of intellectual study will be greater. So you would administer based on your personality. You, you will know which one you gravitate to automatically. A person who's praying every day, uh, doing mara, etc. You, you're trying to give him knowledge and say, what's this? I don't need to learn this. You know, he's more of a devotional person, he will only, that's what he'll do 24-7. A person who's service, sorry? No, you have to do all three in proportion based on your personality. So you need to work out, what am I? There's actually a portion in the, in the next book, I think, is um, a personality chart where you work out what are you predominantly. And then you would um, administer accordingly. For example, um, in uh, Swaminarayan, 
Uh, Nilkant was purely a karma yogi. He used to go throughout the country doing karma, selfless service. So that's why their whole foundation is based on selfless service. See, what we're doing here is we're doing more intellectual study. So you need intellectual study to be able to do the others because the intellectual study gives you the direction which way to do it, which way to go. You can, you know, even if you're just doing selfless service, where it will, it will help you eliminate your desires because all these three are to help you eliminate your desires. It will help you, but you don't know how, why it helps. So you need to have that understanding. So knowledge will always help you with the other two. You'll, you'll be able to reduce your desires better, quicker, more powerful. So, answer your question. So the next topic, is everyone still uh, mentally uh, awake? You know not what you want. In life, we all think we know what we want, that we can define our desires, but this is due to our ignorance, our lack of understanding. How can we be sure we know what we want? Our mind keeps changing. We keep changing. The world is constantly changing. Desires have no dimension or direction, can lead to anywhere. We think we have control over our desires, not understanding that we don't. Think about it. How do you know what you desire right now is what you want, where it will lead to? A simple desire for a partner for marriage can lead to endless other desires lasting a lifetime. Due to different directions and modifications, the, the, the desires can take you. you. You marry a partner, you love them, you've been with them for a few years, and you've made the right decision. But the partner changes. You have no control over that. Your desire was strong that I want to marry this person. And then suddenly the desire is, I don't want to be with this person. Desires keep changing. People keep changing. The world is changing. How do we make a decision? How do we know this desire is exactly what we want? Interesting, isn't it? So I'm going to read from this book. There's an example of this. It's um, about a desire. It'll give you the crux of what, what we're talking about, yeah? It goes into a bit of detail. You're deluded by your own desire. Example, a bachelor possessed a desire for marriage. He had everything else in life. He was most talented, renowned, healthy and wealthy. All he wanted was a partner. That was just it. He believed his life would be complete with a wife. He was sure he needed nothing more than that. Grounded in his belief, he found someone to his liking and married her. He found his fulfillment in life. They enjoyed marital bliss for months and years, until one day the couple realized that they were not, having, not begetting a child. The man was now possessed with a powerful desire to have a child of his own, 
He was desperate, miserable. The couple tried all scientific ways and means to produce a child, and succeeded at last. The wife bore a son. The man was thrilled. The fulfillment of his desire shot him to the height of ecstasy. Days and months passed by in peace and contentment, until they found out that their son was deaf. They were shattered by the finding. He would not lie low. He explored every possibility to restore the sense of hearing to his son. His desire was finally fulfilled after a surgery. The boy could hear. The man was happy again. Years passed by until he discovered that his son was mentally handicapped. He was plunged in misery once again. His only desire was then to deliver the boy to a normal state of mind. Now study the chain of events. From the time the bachelor desired to marry to the time the father desired to cure his son's mental disability, the desire continued passing through its changes. So too the underlying desire in you never ends. A desire lures you to pleasure of its fulfillment, but no sooner you fulfill it, the mind gains the pleasure thereof. It opens up fresh ones. The desire continues. It goes on and on. Your mind remains ever agitated and stressed. So what did the chap actually want? He didn't just want a, a wife to marry. What did he actually want? Huh? He wanted a child. No, he wanted to marry first. His desire was just for getting married. He didn't have a desire for a child. His desire was purely to make this person my wife or husband. Isn't it? Once he had that desire fulfilled, he was happy. Then the desire popped up. We should have a child. So when his first desire was to get married, it wasn't just to find a partner. He wanted to marry a person who would be able to bear him a child, who would later then be able to bear him a healthy child. Then we want that child to grow up healthily. We want him to go to a good school and be educated. We want him to then get married again and have a, a, a good partner. We want all these are modifications. So it's not just a partner we're looking for. We want a partner will, that will achieve all these things. So we don't actually know what we want when we fulfill a desire. This is the point they're trying to make. But those desires only, only come up after you get married, isn't it? Absolutely. But initially it was just to get married, wasn't it? That desire was only to get married. You never thought, I will have a child one day who will then... Those desires weren't popped, hadn't popped up at the time. You're absolutely right. Those desires came up later. But the topic says you don't know what you want. Is it just a partner you're looking for when so you get married? That we don't know what our desires are. This is what it's saying. We don't know what we want in life. Because one desire leads to something else. Yeah, but it could be circumstantial as well. She could have just gone pregnant. and not, Maybe they didn't initially think about having a child. But then now they're in this situation. So isn't it to say that uh, your desires only pop up when there's a situation or a circumstance? But th this is the point we're making. You're absolutely right. Th but this is the point, exactly the point they're making. You don't know what you want. When you have that initial desire for something, you don't know what other desires it will lead to. We're not saying it's right or wrong. Okay, We're not saying that it's right or wrong. But the man 
or didn't know that by getting married, all these other desires will pop up. This is the point we're trying to make. So do we really know when, we're, when, we, when we have a desire, do we really know where it's going to lead to? This is what the point it's trying to make. Do we really know what we want? Do we really know that we want to fulfill this desire? You know, how many times we do something and think, you know, I wish I didn't do that. I didn't know it's going to lead to all this. <laughs> but initially when that desire is fulfilled, you are really happy. <laughs> this is the point it's trying to make. Forget the... Uh, so I how mean, do you make judgment whether it's a good desire or bad desire? That's where the intellect has to come in and say, examine, what, okay, if I fulfill this desire, I mean, it's not possible in all circumstances, but if you're making a major decision... Rather than plunging into it, think about it. Okay, if I fulfill this, or if I get married to this person, or you know, if I buy this house, or whatever, what else is going to happen? Let me have a little think. What will this lead to? Can I deal with everything it's going to lead to? Shall I not? Shall I not just? I better not just do this, you know, because you've realised what this will lead to. So it's a matter of thinking. There are scenarios that are beyond your control, though, isn't there? Absolutely. So for example, you desire a bigger property, you buy it, and, you know, through no fault of your own, there is a fire, and that property is burnt, and you've lost your possessions. You have no control over that. No. And actually, it wasn't that it was an act unrealistic desire and you're doing it, it's an, it's an occurrence that you had no control over. See, we're not, th this is life, yeah. We're not saying, you know, you can't not do anything at the end of the day. This is life. We, we have to live it, make our mistakes and learn from it. You know, we're not condemning it. But it's having the understanding that anything can happen in life. Then you're prepared. Okay. Wasn't expecting this. This has happened. Okay, how do I deal with this now? Otherwise, you're miserable. You can't deal with it, and you're upset. You lost your control of your personality. You can't function. You know, extreme people commit suicide in those sort of situations, or you know, do all sorts of silly things. You know, it's just that awareness. So there's a poem. We'll finish off with this poem. The poem speaks of two hermits. It's called The Olive Tree by Sabine Barin Gould. She's a British, British poet. The poem speaks of two hermits who planted saplings to grow olive trees. They live in a cave. They needed olives to extract oil for their prayer. Let me read the, the poem and then we'll discuss it very quickly. The Olive Tree. Said an ancient hermit bending half in prayer upon his knee. Oil I need for midnight watching. I desire an olive tree. Then he took a tender sapling, planted it before his cave. Spread his trembling hands above it as his benison he gave. But he thought the rain it needeth that the root may drink and swell. God, I pray thee, send thy showers so a gentle shower fell. Lord, I ask for beams of summer, cherishing, cherishing this little child. Then the dripping clouds divided, and the sun looked down and smiled.
Send it frost to brace its tissues. Oh my God, the hermit cried. Then the plant was bright and hoary, but at even song it died. When the hermit to a brother sitting in his rocky cell, Thou an olive tree possessed, how is this my brother tell? I have planted one and prayed, now for sunshine, now for rain. God have granted each petition, yet my olive tree have slain. Said the other, I entrusted to its God my little tree. He who made knew what it needed, better than a man like me. Laid I on him no conditions, fixed no ways and means. So I wonder, not my olive thriveth, whilst my olive tree did die. So, two hermits, one plants the olive tree. He thinks he knows what he wants, what it needs. So he tells God. The other hermit just plants it and leaves it to the elements. And it grows. So the point we're making is, do we really know what we want in life? This is what it's saying. So we have a choice in life. We can do what we think is right and take life into our hands or surrender and take guidance from the scriptures. Do what we ought to and leave the rest to a higher power. The result will materialize when the time is right. See, if, if we don't know, if we're saying we don't know what we want, then how are we making decisions? Leave it to the Almighty. Surrender. He's made me. He'll make me happy. He'll make me, show me the right way. You know, people pray in church and, please God, give me guidance. So, he's brought you here, to this country, to the West. You have everything. You're really happy. Or you should be. He'll help you, guide you through the rest of your life. That's what they're saying, just surrender. Or you have a choice, take control of it yourself and see where it goes. As the hermit who thought he, needed, he knew what the tree needed and it died. Does that make sense? You have two choices, take control of your life and decide or surrender. Follow the scriptures meaning. Any questions? Is there anything such as, because obviously you don't know when your designs are going to come up and you don't know when it's going to, you don't know what you want, like you said. So is there any such thing as there is already a plan or there is that sort of destiny, whether that's real or not, that even if you try and avoid certain things, you say that's not good for me and it keeps coming up, then that plan is for you to do, go through with that whether you decide to or not. Is that still a, is that still a thing? See, what we're saying is that by studying the scriptures, learning of the higher values of life, will give you a direction towards guided by the scriptures. For example, we're coming to class and we're learning about self-realization, reducing our desires. Why? Because we believe that we have a higher purpose. And that if you make that higher purpose your goal, then everything will direct you to that purpose because you've made that your goal. 
And depending on how strong you have that desire, whatever you do will only take you to that goal. So these are goals that you have decided. If you don't make a goal, then you'll just carry on fulfilling desires, being agitated, and so on. So you have to decide, what do I want, what do I want to achieve in life? You may be a big bank balance and, you know, um, globe-trotting around the world, whatever. That may be your goal, which is fine. So, if you set your goal to something higher as it's laid down in the scriptures, which makes sense, then you've surrendered to the scriptures. And, and that'll direct you, because whenever something pops up, a desire which takes you away from that goal, you will say, no, I'm not going to do that. And the morning study helps you to keep that focus, keeps that goal in mind all the time. This is what I want to achieve. Because the world is so powerful, it will just take you away. So it's something you have to decide. A higher goal, beyond your selfish desires, that will, keep, that will take you in the right direction. Does that answer your question? Are you saying that sometimes the path you try and avoid the most is the path that you end up walking down anyway? Until now, that's what you've done. See, but now as you're studying the scriptures and learning higher knowledge, those goals may change. So we're saying take control of your personality. Where, what do you want to achieve? You may want to achieve being the best in your field. That may be your goal. So now you can plan and go towards that. You're in control of your personality now. Um, so it all depends on you where you want to get to. You, you might say, I want to eliminate all my desires and you know, reach self-realization. That's different from Meghna's desires. Everyone's at a different place. But if you keep this in the back of your mind, I need to reduce my desires, not create new ones, because I've learned that they cause me agitations. I don't want to be agitated all my life. I want to be happy and content. Yeah? I want to keep my desires below my, the threshold of my bank balance, because I heard that keeps me happy. These are simple goals and awareness, which will maintain peace and calm within yourself. You're questioning. See, something's brought you to this class. Now you're learning the subject, so you can take control of your life. Isn't it? Otherwise, why would you come here? So now it's almost just, it will be, when you decide to do your own self-effort, it will be different from now. Exactly. Self-effort. You, you said it. You have now decided to change your career, your path. 
conditioned by this knowledge, and, we, and you will put self-effort in to make sure that you go towards the right direction. See, you, you asked about vasanas. You, you said we're all made up of our vasanas. How do we change them? Self-effort. That's free from vasanas. Only, only humans have it, self-effort. We can go with difficulty, we can go again, we can eliminate our vasanas through self-effort. I need to put effort in. I need to go to gym three times a week. We'll talk more about self-effort further on, but that's the key. You don't have to carry on the way you are. You can put self-effort in to change. This is the point.